0: What's your problem? What's your solution? This is an interview series about making the world a better place. In 1980, Greg Steltenpol co-founded a juice company to support his jazz band. Today, Odwalla is owned by Coca-Cola and one of America's best-known juice and smoothie brands. In 2012, Steltenpol launched Califia, a plant-based food company that offers plant milks, dairy-free creamers and yogurts, and much more. Rex Staltable is a food visionary leading a company that is changing the way we eat and drink. Welcome to Camp Solutions. You studied environmental sciences at a major university, but you never became a scientist. In fact, I think you never took a job. You became an entrepreneur.
1: Why? Well, Urien, um first of all, you know personality types matter. I, I'm not sure I'm employable regardless of what <laughs> stage of my life I'd be at um, I was a young person 26 years old when I uh, started Odwalla my first company And I was inspired by personal health as well. I had lived on a all-juice diet and fasted and uh, I was in the construction business at the time paying off my college debt and um I realized how much energy you could have from just a plant-based diet. In the case of converting or switching to a primarily, not necessarily vegan, and we don't even have to use those words, it's just more plant-centric way to think about your diet and your nutrition, is that that as the single most effective place one individual can make a direct impact.
0: How do you help people transition?
1: Well, when, when, when you talk about it as a huge change, the fact is that, um, you know, humans, beings have had a very diverse dietary intake, and uh, we come from primates, which are, which are essentially uh, plant eaters. So, you know, 800-pound gorillas are vegans, you know, so muscle mass and physical might don't have to be related to meat-based diets. We know that. And so I think the problem is not just convincing people. The problem is that we've developed a food system over the last hundred years, which paralleled the, the complete um, you know, globalization of an industrial food system. And that industrial food system has left a much bigger footprint. I think culturally people were influenced by seeing Western habits and also just as immigrants and other um, cultures came to developed countries, they saw that putting meat on the table literally meant you were prosperous. And I think there's now with the advent of global information systems and this new generation that's linked globally, it's not just convincing people, I think people are emerging with their own realizations.
0: Many people think the best contribution they can make is is change their car for an electric car.
1: Well, I'm I'm not saying that might not be also part of a solution, for sure. But if we are really trying to optimize our uh, impact as an individual, getting onto a mostly plant-based diet is by far going to save more carbon than a switch to an electric car. First of all, electric cars are a large industrial, very large industrial product. From a direct carbon standpoint, it still doesn't even measure up to the amount of carbon you would reduce by just adopting, you know, first the dairy-free diet.
0: Organic, I know you support that. At the same time, your products, Calafia, are not labeled organic. Um, We are dealing with these crazy things like glyphosates in modern agriculture, which I'm sure you don't like but also dealing with the reality that, you know, the shift towards organic is sometimes a challenging one.
1: First of all, I don't believe in creating, for me, a company that is priced to the point where the average person, it becomes unattainable. Now we do have organic products. It's just, they are not the largest aspect of our company at this time. And it's just like, I get asked all the time, um, plant-based plastics, or why do you use plastic? We use all forms of packaging because we're constantly seeking to find whether it's aluminum, whether it's glass, whether it's fiberboard, whether it's plastic. Our company is using all four primary, um, you know, material streams for our packaging. But packaging is actually only twenty percent of our footprint. So over sixty percent is what type of crops and how are those crops produced. So even more important than the organic, which is important and especially for vegetables, especially for human health purposes, but also for our environmental health purposes, it depends on what crops are being grown, the nitrogen that's being washed off and the glyphosate, for example. So using oats for us, which are labeled or certified or tested as glyphosate free, are super important for us, but also working towards um, restorative agriculture, which is moving into uh, areas that are beyond just a USDA label of organic, but actually dealing with the soil uh, and how you are building the soil back up. And this is part of our excitement around oats is that they're a rotational crop. They help in the nitrogen cycle in terms of you know, being able to, to be uh, combined with legume rotations. We use pea as a, another strong ingredient for our plant protein. It's a principal plant protein ingredient we use. Um, so in contrast to, to, to how large herds of factory farmed cows are massed in, in industrial feed pens, you're getting all the opposite thing. You're concentrating all these effluents and toxins into one very small point, putting huge pressure on whatever community happens to be housing or, or where those are located. So there's all this thinking about how you just balance um, the the total picture for what it takes to put everything together in a bottle, all the way back. Another really important aspect for Calafia is the, not just human health, but the health of the humans who make and grow the product. And this is where coffee, it's the largest food commodity in the world. So coffee is over 25% of our business. Uh, We buy coffee in the millions of pounds. Coffee is um, a very endangered species in itself because of climate change.
0: What is success for California?
1: Well, for me, I, a big challenge is uh, how do you sustain this type of vision? And today, if you go to the big natural foods uh, show in Anaheim every year, which has kind of become the The bellwether for what 's next and and where the trends in food are going, you will find most of those companies formed around the concept of built to sell but there's another side too that there is a long tail to this market developing, and there are so many entrepreneurs who are also true believers who are you know trying to build these small companies and actually now taking market share from the really big companies so Calafia is kind of in a medium-sized um, area where we're not so small that we we are building it to sell to somebody, but we're also very attractive to the larger companies. So this puts a lot of pressure on us to be nimble and um, efficient enough that we can withstand that buying pressure, you know, for some of our shareholders who. Who might uh, be attracted by the pricing? So i you know, as an entrepreneur, I I would just like to encourage younger people to think about the ownership structure and design of their companies to try to think longer term, and then we can we can really own these changes.
0: So remaining independent is a, is a goal.
1: Absolutely, I mean, for for Calafia as the company. At least to a type of scale where you can kind of have defined the territory and you have defined what's sacrosanct about that brand and that level of quality. Um, If you look at even Apple today, as large as it is, if it doesn't keep up competing with Samsung or other brands that are uh, trying to copy what they do, they, they won't survive either. Um, With food products that have established this natural food buyer and that relationship of trust, that's where the brand truly either means something or becomes meaningless. I think that's part of the paradigm shift that, that has to happen and is trying to happen. I mean, obviously, policies affect those things, too. I mean, once you get into the overall... Aspect of how business conducts itself, um, you know, some people need regulation to behave properly. (laughs) Um, Some people uh, need incentives in order to make the right investments. So uh, the question becomes much more of a total societal system. Um, The reason that we started the conversation and we start talking about an individual product is a person makes a choice, and there's no, nothing in between them and making that choice. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that's so powerful. It requires no other, you know, votes and and um, influences. You are the direct actor. And what I was saying is that also encourages people to take other actions and, and gives them the power. And by the way, I do believe that, you know, um, political activism and Will comes from a good diet also Diets that where people still have rigorous physical labor and are robust those populations are harder uh, to to Mesmerize or subdue because the people are so vital your thinking is not as clear you just cannot get up as easily in the morning you don't have as much vigor for your life, and you also just, it's hard to think clearly.
0: Now, you've talked about consumers, how they can influence the change we need, and, and that's, you know, consumer action is probably the most powerful one. But we can also help with policies. And I want to give you this situation. So we're, we're making you president of the United States for one hour, and you can implement a few things. What would you do?
1: I think that the first place is you have to institute long-term thinking. And so if you do that, the obvious place is to start with the children. As the children don't have to overcome prejudices, uh, they really are born with the open mind and and are both colorblind, but uh, political blind, you know? And so I think, equipping them with the tools they're gonna to need. So we, we really need to look at this as this, not so much what, just what we're gonna do in this you know, next 10 to 20 years, super critical time. But if we do not equip the next generation yeah. to, to continue, because we can only just start to do the work.
0: So how do you prepare the new generation for that long-term perspective?
1: Just like in entrepreneurship, if you make it through the early years in which you know the sheer energy of the entrepreneur and force of will gets you somewhere, you start to realize that you are completely dependent on people. And what makes great companies are great teams. And great teams are formed by love and trust and the cooperation that becomes the, uh, the, without friction and, and the maximum efficiency of, of trust and interaction in a way in which people have, uh, are appreciating each other and trusting each other. Those are core foundations for a nation as well. And so I think, you know, thinking, taking the long view and installing the long view for the resources of our people and our children and the planet is the, the kind of way I would go about thinking about it. The other way is to also think about the diversity that's needed to really solve these problems. And this is a diversity of not just racial types or cultural types, but it's really a diversity of thought and process and um, contribution that needs to be structured. So society is really giving the opportunity. And we've given lip service and, and we hearken back to early founding fathers and we hearken back to the early days of the Dutch when you know people figured out in the 1600s how to capitalize exploration and so on. But I think you know, we, we have given rhetoric to that, but the practice we have gone away from.
0: What is the purpose of business in, in that context? What, what is the service business needs to provide?
1: Well, I go back to why did I start the company? I was living, I've been spending almost all my life in California, so I've lived all over the state. And there's one thing that you are very impressed with when you live as a Californian is the incredible environment. And when I was starting the company, you know, I thought back and you know, recalled the story that someone had told me that the na- that state itself was named after a queen who ruled here back before the Spanish ever discovered uh, the island, what they thought was the island of California. And the, this queen had an ethos of being able to communicate with nature and, um, and protect it. So in forming the company, there was really also the power of the feminine embedded in that idea. Not so much of a queen in the way we think about it in the European model, but a queen in, in the sense that that feminine energy is both nourishing and has a warrior aspect to it. So, I was very inspired by the fact that I think business itself has to be thought about in a different way. People say that's not, you know, okay, thinking about externalities is not businesslike. But thinking about externalities meaning what's beyond the transaction. What happens when we transact this way for 30, 40 years? Then what have we done? Mm-hmm. So, I think there's a power to, to f- true feminism which even existed before the ages of the Spanish Inquisition and the burning of the witches in Europe and herbalists were women. And the power of the plant was really understood first and foremost by the foraging that the women were doing. Men focused on the kind of structured agriculture. And women had a different role around gathering herbs and the type of plants that took a lot of sophistication in understanding their properties and their, uh, their identification and so on. So to me, that's part of plant-based thinking mm-hmm. because plant-based thinking goes beyond the diet. Plant-based thinking goes into thinking or partnering even with the plant kingdom.
0: So you're on the mission to to provide healthier food for better health for people. From that mission, is global warming a problem or an opportunity?
1: Well, I think, first of all, I was trying to say that entrepreneurs are driven by passion, too. It's not just a problem, you know, because sometimes thinking about things only as a problem weighs you down and provides a burden and also blocks thinking. I get up in the morning thinking about the things that I want to do that will create excitement and inspiration for others, and get people actually operating at a higher optimal health. And those, if you put those two things together, uh, that that's certainly um, I would say a worthy, you know, a worthy aspiration to to get a large social and technical system focused around because that's today in this world. This is what we have to do. We're challenged to bring all these technologies at our disposal. And I do believe we're entering an era of uh, opportunity that is not driven just by finance or technology. So we went through an era in which finance was really governing the economy. Now, finance is dropping back is no longer the largest uh, driver of growth. Technology still has been, but now technology itself is becoming subsumed into all the parts. And food stands out to me as an area where you can put these things together in a way, as we said, that just boils down to pure materialistic effect, Mm -hmm. which is the amount of carbon that each individual exudes in their lifestyle into the atmosphere. And if we can, in one lifetime, turn that around, then we have a start and we give ourselves the runway to solve the other problems.
0: Where is Calafia a lifetime from now?
1: Oh, well, I think Calafia has been on a path, first of just saying, you know, anything dairy can do, plants can't do. so. I I think that goes deeper and deeper into the idea of personalization, and it goes into this idea of personal nutrition. So if you look at working at things from the absence of a negative all the way up to optimality, and you go up that curve, and as we go up that curve, you are looking for the most ecologically efficient ways to deliver the nutrient density that people need without the empty calories. So in that way, and by delivering it with the least cost to the planet, in fact, in a restorative way through rebuilding the health of the soil, then we are trying to create at least a path to a virtuous cycle. What's your problem? Yuri, my problem is that The business system and systems and the food system that we have created today is destroying the planet. And what is your solution? I think the solution is, first, how we think about business needs to be feminized. It needs to be thinking about much more as a nutritive process and needs to be thought of as an environmental process in which there are no externalities. It includes the whole ball of wax. I also think that in the food system, we have learned that the single biggest factor driving climate change is the food system. So if we switch to a plant-based diet, we have an opportunity to have the biggest effect in our lifetime. Thank you, Greg. You're welcome, Yuri.
0: Consumers can change the world. We can solve the problem of global warming with our diets. That's the inspiring message of Greg Steltenpol. This was Camp Solutions. See you next time.